time. Good morning and hello. I'm so glad that you're here. Hey, on the stage with me, most of you know her. If you're a guest, this is Pastor Melissa. My name is Ben, and we want to talk with you about some exciting things that are going on right now. So earlier in the service, you were directed to your Connect card, uh, but I want to right now direct your attention to your message notes. They look like this. On the front cover, that's what we're going to be talking about right now, and you can go ahead and put that in your hand because it's As soon as we're done talking about this, I'm going to go straight into our message today, which is also in that little brochure. Melissa, first of all, nice shirt. Thanks. That's incredible. So a lot of folks don't know maybe that about every year this time we come out with a new 4C t-shirt and this is it. This is it. This is it. Yeah, that's all right. Isn't that cool? Nice. So there's Ohio. There's a logo down right around greater Cincinnati area. And, uh, and Real Love Now, which is the, the thing that kind of energizes around here, expressing the love of God to people right where they are. You can be authentic and real. So that's, that's, a, that's a big deal to us. Hey, if I wanted a t-shirt like that, how would I get one? Next week, be here. Because next week, we're going to be uh, distributing them. So, yeah, next so you week's can be the here. Week. You can be here next week. Uh-huh. And then what do we want people to do? By the way, how much are they? Uh, they're free. They're free, <gasps> which is incredible. Yeah, so we be do here this. next week because they'll be gone. Yeah, they'll, they'll <laughs> go real quick. Uh, and if by chance we don't have your size, hey, they were free. Don't complain, all right? Um, <laughs> I'm just being honest with you, all right? You'd be surprised how often that happens. Um, So so why why are we doing this real quick? Why are we we wearing the shirt? Well, we're doing them because um, coming up to Food Truck Rally, we want to give you as many tools and as many ways as we can for you to draw attention to what we're doing here for Food Truck Rally. And it's not just a bunch of amazing food trucks, um, but it's also a, a chance for you to bring people in that may not otherwise come to hear the message of who Jesus is and that he loves them. So you've got people on your sports teams of your kids in your workplace, I mean, your neighborhood, um, all around you um, that need Jesus, that need to know who he is. And so we want to give you every opportunity to invite them. So if you wear this shirt and they say, oh, cool shirt, and you're handing them invite cards, which we'll also have next week available for you, um, it'll make it even easier for you to invite. That's awesome. But that's not even really what you're up here to talk about. No. See, this is the front door. The front door is get them here. But really, there's a whole smorgasbord of opportunity here for them to grow and develop and build relationships, get friends that help them go in the right direction. And that's what we want to talk about right now for a few minutes. So let's say somebody comes, they're a first-time guest on Food Truck Rally. Mm -hmm. What is our heart for them? What do we hope to have happen? What do we have for them over the course of the next several months? Um, We hope that they will, first of all, that they'll um, find a home here, that they'll get into a group. And um, our groups are relationally focused at this point, and they're biblically based. So we want people to come together in smaller groups where they can do life together. Um, There's that verse in 1 Thessalonians I love that talks about we loved you so much that we not only shared the gospel, we shared our lives as well. That's the vision for groups, um, which is a little bit of a shift from more content. Um, There will be amazing content, but it will be in the context of groups who hopefully stay together over time, um, raise kids together, go through empty nest syndrome together, um, learn how to be married together, um, and just really to do life together. So what's really cool is uh, the last several months around here, we've been talking as a staff about now that we're about to approach our next year of ministry, we'll be one more year old uh, on the day of the food truck rally, which is incredible. We'll be a full 13 years old, which is just incredible. Uh, what's God doing in the season of our life? And we think that there still needs to be incredible, great content in groups, but we're going to bring a lot of energy to the relational side as well. Uh, we believe that when you have strong, godly relationships, not perfect people, but relationships that are leaning towards God, and you have strong, godly content, that the two of those things married together is an incredible catalyst 
for change, and that's what our groups are going to focus on. Yes. So talk to me about what's on the front of the, of, the, of, the, of the brochure today. What's on front of the message? Well, we've about? got a lot of you in the room who have led a small group before, and we're so grateful for that. Um, we've got some of you in the room who've never done it who need information, but we are shifting the focus a bit in our groups, and so all of our group hosts um, are going to be going through an orientation before their group is placed in the catalog. So we're going to offer that today after second service, 1245, and then next week to make it easy, we're going to do it during first, during second, and after second. So come to a service and then come to the orientation. It's super easy to host a group. You don't have to be a biblical scholar. You just have to love people. Um, you have to love God, and you have to want to make a difference. That's really it. And you've been using a, a bit of an acronym, ESPN. There's yes. some sports friends. By the way, there's some <laughs> folks not here tonight because they were watching the devil fight last night. Right, on, right. Yeah. That, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> some but, watched it and are here. Yeah, and they, they made it. <laughs> Talk to me about what this ESPN thing is that you've been telling the staff about. Okay, so our hope is that in every single small group, um, every single time, we, we focus on something called ESPN. So every one of them, you're encouraged by your – this is by your host. You're being encouraged. You're having scripture read. You're reading through it. You're doing a Bible study or you're studying something that helps you in your life based on the Bible. So scripture's being read. You're being prayed for and prayed with at the same time. So you're praying together, but your hosts are actually praying for you by name every single day. Um, and then the last one is next steps. We do next steps here every single Sunday. It's one of my favorite things we do. But can you imagine if um, we're doing them here with our Connect card, but also you're in a group. You've got a group leader and group people in your group who know where you are spiritually and they're encouraging you to take that next step it's it's phenomenal i think it's going to make all the difference so i've been let's pretend but it's true i've been leading groups for about 13 years yes and if i wanted to lead a group forget i'm the pastor but if i wanted (laughs) to lead a group you would say to me what because i'm an expert i mean i've been doing to come to orientation because because there's a new focus a new vision we're using a new type of curriculum um we've got it it's just a lot of new yeah so what you should be hearing is is that no matter how long you've been leading your group around here if you'd like to lead a group we want to give you that opportunity to do ministry but we are being more laser focused and so it's required and we don't use that word a whole lot around here but let me just give you the background we're a come as you are church you can come in here with anything don't agree with us agree with us whatever but we're not a lead as you are church so if you want to lead you have to come to this orientation and there's opportunities today next sunday in first second and after second service correct and there was already one and so most everybody else that has already led mm-hmm. received multiple communications right right and so we're not trying to be like sticklers for detail but when things are very important what we want to do is make sure that we're doing it in the right way and so your group won't make it in the catalog that'll be on the seats in a couple of weeks if you don't come to the orientation and if that's a major problem for you they can reach out to you right, right. don't email me email you me. melissa at fourcornerschurch.com what final right. things would you like us to know about groups and group hosting and leading this time well our prayer is that first of all if you're in the room and you've never um, hosted a group or led a group and this is sounding kind of cool to you come to the orientation because we want to we want to explain it and so we'd they love can for come you to do without it. committing absolutely come and not commit just listen decide if it's something for you but for all of you in the room for me as well and we've had this conversation even about you and Jill Mark and my husband and I um, we want to be in groups too we want everybody here to get involved in a group we think it's going to make a huge difference as we grow bigger to still feel like we're smaller and we're connected hey I'm so proud of your leadership around here and I'm really excited about what God's going to do in this can you guys help me say thank you to Melissa for what's going on Hey, now would you open up that little brochure where the announcement about groups is on the front to the inside panel. and Go ahead and grab out your Connect card. 
you're our guest, remember, make sure your name and email and address is on there. We want to send you a gift. If you're a regular attender, just put your name and email on there. We have all your other stuff, and uh, let's prepare to take some steps by the time we get done today. So over the last couple weeks, I've been talking to you about prayer, about prayer. And so the first week, we talked about the prayer that Jesus gave his disciples. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but I think it should be called the Disciples' Prayer. And it wasn't so much a prayer to repeat, although that's a legitimate and healthy practice to repeat the Lord's Prayer. It was really meant to be a model prayer. Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer when his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Which was very interesting because they all knew how to pray already. They all knew the prayers from the book of Psalms. They all knew the various prayers uh, recorded by their patriarchs in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They were familiar with those prayers. So when they come to Jesus and say, teach us how to pray, that's an interesting question. And it makes me as a follower of Jesus lean in and go, if those guys needed to learn how to pray, how much more do I need to learn how to pray? And so we looked at the Lord's Prayer, and if you weren't here for that, you can jump online and look at the message notes. And then last week, I talked with you about how to pray for people. How to pray for people. How do you pray for people that you care about? You know, for your, 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 your spouse, for your kids, your coworker. How do you pray for people in a way that you feel like um, you did honor to the relationship and you did honor to the power and the availability of God and you brought the person that you care about close to the God that you love in a prayerful environment. How do you do that? And we took you to a couple places where the Apostle Paul prayed for people and just modeled after him. Now in both of those services, we did a bit of a, of a workshop where I took you kind of behind the scenes for how I personally do it. And I want to do the same thing for you today. And I'm telling you that now because at the end of our time together, I'm going to do something we don't do very often around here. All right? Not only are we going to do a little workshop, I don't want to just tell you how to pray with people. We're actually going to give you a chance to receive prayer. So at the end of our time today, like when I get done here in just a few moments, I'm going to say, hey, if you would like to, in light of what we've been talking about, receive prayer and have somebody pray with you about maybe what's on your heart today, what you brought in about you or what you brought in about somebody in your life, I'm going to actually invite you to stand up and make your way all the way over to this wall. And Pastor Melissa and the prayer team is going to meet you over there, and we're going to pray together. And then, in addition to that, I'm going to bring two people right up here, and I'm going to show you how I pray for people. All right? Here's why I'm doing that. We believe that if you're in small group, if you're just walking the Christian life and you're in relationship with people... There's going to be regular opportunity to not only pray for people in the privacy of your home, but to pray with people regularly. In fact, that would be a normal activity for Christians in the New Testament. They got together and they prayed together often. But that can be really off-putting if you've never done it before. I mean, how do you pray out loud for someone? How do you do it? Now, when I was first starting in ministry, I ain't going to lie to you. Can I be totally transparent here? It would be really bad for me to lie like in this moment, wouldn't it? But let me be transparent with you. That unnerved me a little bit. I was really good standing in front of a group of people praying kind of generally. But part of my job for the first several years that I was uh, doing ministry was to do the hospital visits for a very large church in inner city Tampa. We served 18 hospitals. 
And our church philosophy back then, now it's not our church philosophy now, is if anybody needed prayer anywhere, we're the biggest church in the city, we'll go pray for you. That was the philosophy. That's a really good thing. Now, we're not the biggest church in the city. We don't have those kind of resources. Uh, I don't have enough staff for that, so I'm not setting expectations. But guess whose job it was to do a lot of the praying? Mine. And so I would, I would visit up to 40, 50 hospital visits in a week. And, uh, yeah, that was in some ways an incredible privilege, but it was incredibly depressing, too, at the same time. Because I'd pray for people to get better, and sometimes I'd see them get better, and I'd pray for people to get better, and sometimes they wouldn't get better. And there was just all over my life an incredible amount of traffic, chaos, and problems in people's lives, and it got to me. And so I finally sat down with my pastor once who had given me this incredible opportunity. He said, hey, if you'll come work for me a bit, I'll give you a house to live in and I'll pay for grad school. And I've not heard the audible voice of God, but in that moment I did. And I went, sure. And so I sat down with this guy who gave me this incredible opportunity. I'm like, well, how do I do this? Like, it's getting to me. How do I pray for people? And he said, hey, why don't I go with you some and you just watch me do it? What an incredible gift. Just watch me do it. So I did. Now I want to walk you through a hospital visit. All right? So I'm going to give you the commission right now. All right? Just mm, whatever. Uh, I'm going to give you the commission to do a hospital visit. If you're a follower of Jesus, you can visit people who need prayer in a hospital. Now this works in a nursing home. It works. <laughs> it works just With a friend, this kind of stuff works. But let's just kind of put the context of a hospital visit in. I'm going to kind of show you how I do it. And then I'm going to walk you through some stuff in your message notes so you can take it home and look at it and study it through the week, okay? So, um, by the way, if I've ever visited you in the hospital, um, this is what I did, all right? And so it wasn't that it was mechanical for me. It's just that I wanted to make sure I did a decent job. And so I have a plan and a structure, all right? So I'm going to offer that to you. So here's what happens. I usually uh, find out what room they're in because that's a big deal. It's really awkward to go into the wrong room. I've done that more than once. And and, and remember, I didn't know half these people, so I'd go in and pray for somebody and realize they don't even go to our church. It's all right. So I'll, um, anyway. So I typically will walk in the room and I'll do the general greeting. Hi, I'm, you know, I'm here to see you. How you feeling? Right? And give them a chance to talk. And then I ask this question. What are the doctors telling you? What are the doctors telling you? You don't have to necessarily write that down, but some form of that question is how I begin every engagement when I pray for people. Sometimes I'll say, hey, what's going on in your life today? Or what brings you forward to prayer today? What's heavy on your heart today? In the hospital, they're there because it's usually medical. I say, what are the doctors telling you? And that's an invitation for them to let me in on what's going on in their life. And sometimes people only tell you a little bit. Sometimes they tell you a lot. If you're like really good friends with somebody that you want to pray with, you can kind of expedite this process. But if you don't know them very well, you want to get them to give you a sense of what's on their heart. And then that's what you pray about. And I'll show you how to do that in just a moment. So what are the doctors telling you? And then I just, this is a big part of prayer. You ready for this? Then I just listen. I just listen. When somebody comes forward for prayer, if you come forward for prayer today, and we're going to make as much time as it takes right over here to this, you know, my right, your left wall. Just go stand on again. There'll be people that help you. If you come forward, they're going to say, hey, how can we pray for you? Or what's on your heart? And then the th- what's going to happen next is they're just going to listen as you talk about what's on your heart. 
And here's where you get to decide how much you want to tell. It's a lot or a little. And you are the one completely in charge of that information. Because the person who wants to pray with you, they're not trying to be your psychologist, your confessor. Um, they're, they're not even trying to guarantee you that their prayers are going to be answered in the ways that maybe everybody in the room would like for them to be answered. They're there to just bring the person that they're praying with to stand with them as you approach the God who loves that person and who is concerned about that person. They're there literally just to stand with you. It's the pronoun shift from praying for you to praying with you. What are the doctors telling you? And I'm listening. And then I say, can I pray for you? Which might seem like an odd question, but I have found when you pray with people, it's better to just ask them if you can than to assume that you can. Uh, the reason is, is that you want to be standing with them emotionally. You want them to be willing to let you be into that place with them. And believe it or not, on occasion, I've had people say, no, I'm not really comfortable with that right now. And that's okay. Would it be all right when I go home if I pray for you? And I've never had anybody say no to that. I've had some people kind of flippantly say, well, I guess if you want to. And I would like, well, I do. Would that be okay with you? Right? So can I pray with you? And then I ask a kind of simple question. I'm going to walk with you through the theology of it in just a second. I say, Kate, can I, can I hold your hand? Or can I put my hand on your shoulder? What you're going to discover is in Scripture, there's a powerful principle of touch. Now, when we get into the message in just a second in the, in the notes portion, I'll give you the theology of it a little bit. But just pragmatically, you know how powerful it is. When you're going through something and you're standing there, uh, you know, in the middle of an emotionally trying time and somebody who knows you really well walks up and puts their hand on your back or maybe it's your spouse and, and you guys are getting along in this season of life and they give you a hug. Maybe it's one of your kids and they can tell you're upset and they just come up and, you know, they grab your hand. You know how powerful that can be, right? And so on a pragmatic level, touch is just a connection point, but theologically there's more to it. So what are the doctors telling you? Can I pray for you? Can I put my hand on your shoulder? And I'm getting permission from the person. And so all of that I watched my mentor do over and over and over again. But it was the next part that I was most interested in. What do I say? What do I say? I mean, if you come to me with a really big deal, do I look at you and go, God loves you, and he's going to give you exactly what you're asking for? Because that's an interesting proposition, isn't it? You need $1 million. God loves you. And today, after this prayer, go buy a lotto ticket. God assures me he's going to answer your prayer. By the way, it never happened. I've never, ne I've never prayed that way. It's never happened to me. Maybe I should pray that way. I tell you what, why don't you go play the lottery and figure out. I'm kidding, obviously, right? So how do I pray? What do I say? Do I say, Oh my gosh, that's a lot of stuff in your life. Whoa, I'm glad it's not me. Well, that, that's not very compassionate. I mean, what do you, what, in that moment, what do you say? If you really know the person well, and they're letting you pray with them, imagine the amount of trust that is there. How they've let you into some part of their life that's deeply troubling and upsetting. That's a big deal. It's a really big deal. 
And, and if they don't know you very well, how much more in one sense is that a, an example of deep trust? Like in this moment, they're either so desperate or willing or trusting that they're willing to pull back the curtain a little bit and let you see what's going on in here, what's really got their heart. So what's said in those moments really matter. And to some degree, the person praying kind of speaks for God. Now, in some senses, not really. But in that moment, it certainly feels that way, that I'm going to pray to God. Now, I'm either going to make God look bigger, greater, more awesome, more loving, or I'm going to set a standard that God never promised he was going to fulfill. It's a big deal to pray with someone. And I think we know this intuitively. That's why in modern day, it's not as frequent to see people pray with one another as maybe it used to be in the Bible times. Now, I'm going to walk you through a handful of statements that begins to get towards why we pray with people and a little bit of how. And then we're just going to hit the pause button. And I'm going to invite you, if you have something you'd like to receive prayer for, if you'd like to be prayed with, as one of my kids used to say, get prayed on, because that people would put their hands on them, which I think it's technically precise. It just felt a little awkward to me, but I think it's very precise. If you want to get prayed on, then we're going to have you come over and stand over here and get, get prayed on, all right? Now, who's feeling awkward? Anybody? Okay, I am a little bit, because we've not done much of this stuff, but it'll be okay, all right? You don't have to be worried, and you're welcome to just sit there and watch. It's okay, all right? So let's look through our message notes and walk through a little bit of a kind of working towards the theology of getting prayed on. So James chapter 5 is one of the powerful passages in the Bible that talks about prayer. And this Bible verse was written to Christians from James. Jesus is like half-brother, if you will. Um, you know, Mary had other kids. And I know if you're Catholic, that's a little odd, but, but it's true. Mary, Mary had, had other kids. James was one. And at some point in his adult life, he looked at his brother, Jesus, and he said, I think you're the son of God. And that's a really big deal, by the way, because I have a brother, and I'd never look at him and say he was the son of God. And I can assure you he'd never look at me and say I'm the son of God. I, I, I promise you. So for James to have grown up with Jesus and said, I, I've seen you, like I know everything, and you're clearly the son, that's a big deal. All right, so in James chapter 5, here's what one of the Bible verses, right? It says, is any among you in trouble? Let him pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. This is one passage that talks about the kind of prayers that happened in the early church. If sick people were there, they would take oil and they would anoint them, often just put that on their finger, touch their foreheads or whatever. And some of you grew up in churches where that was a normal thing to do. We're going to talk about some of the mechanics in a second. But I just wanted you to focus right there on the fact that prayer was to be normal and expected in the life of the church. And it's just not as much anymore, partly because we're not in deep relationship, partly because we've created churches, and ours is one, where you can come and don't have to tell us anything. And often you don't for a very long time. But when you receive prayer, it's almost as if you're saying, I'm stepping in a little bit. And you are. And that's supposed to be normal in the life of a believer. All right? So let's talk about a handful of things. All right? Letter A there. One of the reasons why we want to pray with people is it moves, it makes a dramatic shift. It moves an audience, that's the first blank, into an army. An audience into an army. So ministry is not a one-person show. 
He's not. Truth is, is every follower of Jesus gets to play. Everybody's called out of the stands and onto the field. And you see this modeled when Jesus called a team to be around him. He called the 12 disciples. He called 70, and he sent them out two by two. And then he called whole multitudes and said, go do the work that I've done. In fact, you're going to do greater work than I've done. And it moves this audience, which is the way we tend to be wired with the religious service, into an army deployed to do the work that God has called the church to do. Now, I don't know your experiences in church up to this point. Some of you have been with us for a long time. In fact, in this room are people who have been with us the whole time, all 13 years. And guys, I am just thrilled that you're still a part of this place. It's, it's incredible. But one of the challenges in American Christianity today is we come and we sit and we expect to receive and be fed and be engaged. And that's not a wrong expectation. It's an incomplete expectation. All those things should happen. But then you should also get up and be a part of the army of God doing God's work in the world. And in our church, we're very fortunate. We have an unusually high number of volunteers and participants compared to other churches our size. And the bigger the church, the more that ratio tends to diminish, believe it or not. And so we're doing really well on that. But I want to ask you, how comfortable are you praying with people? And if you're not, that's okay. But believe it or not, that's supposed to be a normal part of your walk with Jesus and your relationship with other people. It should be normal for you to say to your spouse, can I pray for you? And they say yes. And then you say something like, can I pray for you right now? And kick it up a bit. Kick it up a little bit. You say to your kids, can I pray for you? And they say, of course. And you say, can I pray for you right now? That should be more normal. It was very normal in the New Testament. But sometimes in the audience speaker dynamic, you know, sitting in rows, it's not as normative. And that's why we like to get you in circles, in small groups, where it would be more normal to just pray with people. By the way, we're doing these growth groups, right? These groups, we're also doing this thing called Grow. And the third Grow experience is all about growing your leadership. And half of that is your self-leadership. It's all things like prayer and scripture and um, how to do the disciplines that grow you up and make you more mature in Christ. And part of that will be drilling down even more on what we're talking about because it's, again, should be normative to get out of the stands and into the arena of activity, an audience to an army. Let me give you a second just talking point about this. Letter B. Love and compassion catalyze ministry. So ministry can be this thing we talk about. We need to do ministry. We need to serve. But believe it or not, love and compassion are the things. They're the fuel of ministry. Imagine the amount of love and compassion that's expressed when somebody comes to you and they share what's on their heart and you look at them and you say, can I pray for you right now? What you're effectively doing is saying, I'm willing to stand with you, to carry this with you, to go to God with you on your behalf for what's going on. I'm here to make sure that the strength that you feel faltering, I can help make up that gap. And that loving compassion then catalyzes and it embodies the ministry that Jesus called us to. And it's an incredible risk. In fact, what I have for you here is that the greatest risk and the greatest rewards of ministry will always be to love people. Even people who don't love us back, we're still called to love and serve them. And look at, look at the way Jesus uh, uh, kind of demonstrated this love and compassion. Matthew chapter 9. 
When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That image of sheep and shepherd doesn't translate as clearly today as it did back in Jesus' day where they could look up on the hillside and see it. But they knew that sheep would get in trouble. But the shepherd was there to encourage them towards green pastures, still waters, and away from the dangers of life. And that shepherd became a first line of defense against all the things that were against the sheep. And the sheep was the lifeblood of the community. And in the same way, prayer is a tangible expression of love and compassion, and it becomes a line of defense against all the fiery darts of the enemy that he shoots at the people God loves. And we get to stand up with them. All right? Now, when we pray for people, here's what we often have to say. Let her see. We can't, but God can. We can't, but God can. People don't ask you to pray with them because they think you have any power in and of yourself. Or at least they shouldn't. It's not our power. When you're praying with someone, it's the Lord's power. So here's something I remind myself when I go into situations that are troubling. What are the doctors telling you? And then I listen, <laughs> and it's not good. Here's what I know. I, I can't do much of anything here. I can be with, but I can't move this ball forward. But when I can't do something, God can. So I can't heal people. But God has the ability so I can talk to him about it. And I can't forgive people that are struggling in sin. This week I had a conversation with someone who's like, I have blown it. Like I am underwater and it's all my fault. I can't forgive them. But I can pray with them to a God who can. Sometimes I can't even help people. Like there are things that people tell me. I have no ability to help them. I have no wisdom to share. But I can talk to a God who can. And you're going to see that show up in the prayers here in just a moment. In Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Here's what Jesus said to his followers. I'm going to send you what my father promised. Jesus is saying, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send you something in my place. So stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Jesus said that he was going to leave the earth, but God would send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would enable, would empower God's people to do God's work. So he was very practically saying, stay in the city until you get it. Don't go out. You don't want to go out without God's power. Well, the good news is the Holy Spirit has come. And we now get to walk in the power of God, not our own power. Letter D. Here's something I keep in mind that when I pray for people, I'm simply going to do what I see the Father doing. That's what Jesus did. So letter D goes like this. We do what we see the Father doing. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. Jesus, why do you keep acting this way? Hey, I'm just doing, I'm just about what my father's about. I just do what the father does. If, I, if the father's about it, that's what I'm about. And so when we pray for people, really that's what we're saying. We're saying, God, you aren't ambiguous about some of what you want to do in this world. And so we're going to talk to you about what you want to do. And we're going to try to do it in the ways that you did it. So if somebody comes to us, we're just going to receive them. We're going to listen to them. And then we're going to talk to you for them and with them. That's what Jesus did, and you see him actually being explicit about that in John chapter 5. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. And a lot of what they did was brought things to God and then waited to see what God would do. They didn't often feel compelled to make something happen. It was almost as if talking to God about it was enough. 
very often in the Bible. And so in Psalm 27, let us wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he will strengthen our hearts. That's what I see happen often when you pray with someone. Maybe the circumstances don't even change much, but their hearts get strengthened. Let me give you the big one I've already referenced, letter E. We change prepositions. We move from the word for to the word with. So we go from for to with, from for to with. And for is fine. I'm doing this for you. That's fine. But most parents who've had kids go through elementary school who were working through their homework dilemmas, you know, we've had tears in our house over homework over the years. There was one thing to do the homework for the kid, which we discovered only makes you have to do the homework for the kid again. And that's not a good thing to do. We did that with one of our kids. I will never do that again. We started a very bad cycle of dependency. But we've learned now we can do homework with the kid. We can enable and empower and somehow doing it with them emboldened them and gave them abilities and skills. They felt better about themselves, much better than if I just did it for them. It's a similar dynamic in this prayer thing. A gentle touch is very powerful when compassion is expressed. It's very powerful. So look at Luke chapter 4. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sicknesses. And laying hands on each one, he healed them. Most of the people Jesus prayed for got healed. Not all. Most. Some took more than one prayer. He had a unique connection. But in the same model, we're supposed to pray regularly for people and asking God to do what they would like God to do. Now, here's the good news. God's only going to do for them what God wants to do. We get to ask whatever we want, believing that his character is good, and he's only going to do what he wants to do. I'm going to show you how that works out in just a second. And letter F is maybe if there's one action item I'm trying to get you to get to today, this is it. The one phrase. Can I pray for you right now? Can I pray for you right now? now? Many of you know I do most of my meetings at Waffle House, and there's a couple reasons for that. If I'm in the office, I tend to get caught up in the work of the ministry here. And when I'm with, at Waffle House, I can tend to be more focused on the person of what's going on, and the coffee is cheap. And I actually feel like the Lord has called me to minister to that group of people there. And so if you want to meet with me elsewhere, that's fine. But it's a big, big deal for me to consistently meet at Waffle House. And so you'll hear the people that do my scheduling push you to meet at Waffle House. And if you don't like the food, it's fine. Just drink coffee. And the water's filtered. It's all good. You don't have to eat, you know, three pounds of grease. It's okay. It's all good. But one of the reasons I do that is, is I want to be able to just engage the person. But even sitting at Waffle House, you'd be surprised. I can look at a person and I say, can I pray for you? And they're like, yeah. And I say, can I pray right now? And they kind of look around and they go, who's going to see this? Like, don't get worried. I'm just going to bow my head right here and pray for you. And sitting right there at Waffle House, I can pray for people. And I've seen God move powerfully. And it's not weird. I'm not standing up going, who's got oil? Who's got oil? You know, of course they they have oil, man. They've got plenty of oil. Somebody, everybody gather around, gather around. Everybody be quiet. We're going to pray right now. We're not making a big deal about this. No, no, no. Just let's bow right now. And (laughs) I don't don't even sometimes hold their hand because that's kind of odd across the table, two men sitting there and just, you know, I I am masculine and secure in myself, but I ain't going to lie. That just feels a little awkward to me. And it's not only awkward to me, sometimes it's awkward to the guy. And 
And then even if it's like a, a, a woman I'm meeting with, and that's another reason I meet at Waffle House, they all know I'm a pastor. They know I'm a pastor here. They're, they know when I meet with people what I'm doing, that I'm doing ministry. And so I, that's one of my places I'll meet with people. And I just don't want to do that. But if I'm if, if, if it's at all, like, emotional, I'll just say, can you put your hand across the table? And I'll just, I'll hold their hand. Now, the first time I did that, I felt very awkward. And then I spoke with my favorite waitress there, and I said, look, I'm going to pray with people here regularly. When you see me doing that, just don't bother us for a second. She's like, no problem, Ben. And then catch her, she says, hey, Ben, would you pray for me? And then she goes into her stuff, and you know what I said? Hey, can I pray for you right now? And she said, Yes. And I was able to pray with her right in that moment. Like literally, she just put her hand across the little barrier, and I, just, and I prayed for her. Right? Can I pray for you right now? Look at 1 Thessalonians. Here's what the Bible says. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. What I'm trying to do with this is say, God, if, if they're coming to me with something, you're already at work in them. I don't want to stop the flow of that. I don't want to quench the spirit. So I just want to pray right now. You're already moving in their hearts or they wouldn't be telling me stuff. And so here's a couple things I do to kind of keep it moving forward. Keep it short. Keep it simple. Keep it safe. What I mean by that is I don't go into a lot of stuff that I think might, maybe they need to hear. And if, if, like it's, if there's sin stuff, I don't want to know all the details. I'm not praying against all the crazy stuff that might be going on in life. I might do that privately at home, but in that verbal moment, and I keep it very supportive. You know, I pray God's heart for them. And then letter G, more God and less everything else. When you don't know what to say, you talk about the goodness and the greatness of God. So in, first, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, all right, Paul says three different times, I begged the Lord to take away something. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Paul says, look, there are times God doesn't answer prayer. I prayed three times he didn't do it. But what God taught me was is he's a gracious God. And even though he didn't answer my prayer the way I wanted him to, I learned that he was good and kind and he had everything I needed. And sometimes when I pray for people, God doesn't do what we're asking him to do. But when I talk about God and his character and I bring them towards the character of God, even more than I bring him to the answer of the prayer that they want, then I know that I'm giving them something that doesn't change or doesn't shift, even though life changes and shifts. I love how C.S. Lewis says it, and many of you know he's my favorite author, and I get so much inspiration from him. He says it this way, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There's no such thing. And that's in my mind when I pray for people. I can pray about the thing, but I'm gonna pray God's goodness, God's favor, God's love, compassion, and wisdom to be present because those things don't shift and the details of our life do. So in just a moment, I'm gonna give you a chance to receive prayer. And the kinds of things we've been talking about here are the kinds of experiences uh, you'll have if you do that. And I want you to kind of watch me do that. So if you wanna like be thinking, do I wanna do this? Here's how it's gonna look mechanically. I'm gonna say, hey, if you'd like to receive prayer in just a moment, don't do it yet. Just stand up, make your way over. And I'm gonna have the guys in the back. In fact, you guys can go ahead and do that. They're gonna put on some just gentle music to, to just kind of create for me a little bit of ambiance. Now in, the, in, in, in Waffle House, I don't have that. Uh, these days, they're liking a lot of Johnny Cash. And um, I have found you can pray right along with Johnny Cash. It's pretty incredible. Um, 
It's much better than some other things I've tried to pray along with. It's okay. Right? And so we're just going to keep it nice and, nice and quiet. I want to walk you through two scenarios, and then I'm going to have you stand. All right? So I remember walking into a hospital room in Tampa General. It's on little Davis Island right there in Tampa. Really actually a beautiful community, and the hospital consumes about 80% of the little island there in Tampa Bay. And I did my standard. Hey, what are the doctors telling you? And it wasn't good news. Like, we're going to do surgery. That's a good chance I'm not going to come out. And the tears are just screaming and the family's around. And I'm a, I'm a 22-year-old little punk pastor. I don't even know what I'm doing. That's the way I felt. Like, how, why am I here? You know, we need, we need the big dogs. Call the big dogs in, right? So I... I had watched my mentor by this point enough. He said, what would you like me to pray for? Now, I thought I knew the answer to that. I thought I, thought I was going to hear, pray that the Lord heals me. That's not what I heard. Right there in front of her entire family that had gathered, she says, I think my time is over. I'm ready to go be with the Lord, but I'm worried about my family. I'm like, uh-oh, we just got real. She said, would you pray that all my kids, and like four of them are there and there's two more, all my grandkids, there's only a couple, there's a lot more, that they'd all come to know Jesus the way I've known him. And then she says this, look, listen, so that when they come to a moment like this, because we are going to, they'd have the peace that I have. And, and I felt like in that moment, I got three years worth of seminary training. And God is faithful and kind and gracious and can bring peace. So how would you like me to pray? Pray for my family. So guess what I did? I said, hey, can I, can I put my hand on your shoulder? Yeah. And I walked over there, kind of emboldened, because I know that God. I know that prayer, the God that says, I want to know people. I want to be. And we prayed for her family, for her kids, for her grandkids. And sure enough, about a week later, she passed away, went on to be with Jesus. I never forgot that. Never forgot how powerful it was to be with somebody and pray. Another time, we were at the end of a church service, and a man grabbed my attention and he said, my marriage is really rocky. He said, would you pray that my wife would come back home? I said, hey, I'll pray for that. And as I'm praying for that, I felt led to pray in a different way. So I just stopped and I said, hey, can I, can I ask you something? Can I pray this way? Would you be okay with this? Would you be okay if I pray that God would help her to know that you love her and that you'll do whatever it takes to earn back trust? The tears begin to flow. And that's how we begin to pray. And we spent most of our time praying in that direction for him, not even for her. In this particular situation, over time she came back home and they reconciled. But it wasn't so much about what she needed to do, it was about what he needed to do. And I was able to pray with boldness and confidence for the God who wanted to work in his life. See, when you pray with people, you learn a lot about God. So I want to ask you something. Would you like to receive prayer? And you probably need to stand in just a moment if you came in with something pretty heavy. And I know it's awkward, I, I, I know. Nobody's going to make a big deal about you. I am going to bring at least two people up here, and if you don't want that to be you, just tell them no. Don't put me on the stage. But if you're comfortable, I'm going to ask you to just go up here. And while everybody else is getting prayed for over there, 
I'm going to do for the rest of us here, just kind of prayer, just show you what I'm talking about. So if you'd like to receive prayer, would you just stand and make your way over here? The prayer team is standing right now. Other people, just make your way all the way to the wall, kind of get in line. Now, I know in American churches right now, this is not normal, right? In the early church, it was. And we're just trying to capture what God said was our right as his children. We have a large family. And Melissa, I think you have a, a couple folks that maybe are okay with receiving prayer. Would you go ahead and just send one up? Would you mind to just hang out right there for a second? There you go. There you go. So I, I know David, but I, David, I don't know why you're up here. So without going into a lot of stuff, because there are a lot of people watching, I only as comfortable as you are. How can I pray for you today? So I don't know if you heard that, but he says he's got uh, two uh, four-year-old kids, twins, and sometimes they win and he doesn't. And he feels like he's not the man he wants to be in his parenting and in his um, fathering. So this next little piece, David, uh, I promise you this is safe. I'm not going to ask you anymore. I'm going to pray for that. But I want to I ask if there's a man of God in the room, doesn't mean you're perfect, if you've been in that same place, but you've seen God over time work in that situation. If that's you and you feel it all bold, would you just stand and make your way up here? I just want one. So the first one. If you've seen God make you a better man of God, husband, father over time, would you just go ahead and stand and join me up here to pray? I know, it's awkward. It's okay. Come on, someone. Anyone? All right. Scott, you're not going to do anything other than stand behind him? It's okay if Scott puts his hand on your back. All right. I'm just going to pray for David. All right. You can bow with me. You can watch. It's okay. David, can I touch your shoulder? Father, the amount of boldness it takes for a man to come up and say what David said is pretty impressive. God, I hear in that a teachability. I hear in that a willingness to change. I hear in that a willingness to grow, Lord. I know that that kind of humility is close to your heart. I'm grateful. I'm grateful, Lord, that we can stand together with David here and know that the heart he has for his wife and kids, that completely mirrors your heart for them. God, I don't know all the practical steps that you're calling him to, but God, I pray that you would increase right now the vision that he has to become the husband and the father and the co-worker and the man that you've called him to be. Give him a clearer vision of that. Even as he has stirrings right now that are in alignment with you, give him even a clearer vision of what that's to look like. But God, I want to boldly ask you to answer his prayer. Give him a grace as he engages his kids, and a wisdom. Father, I pray that you would even redeem time, 
He's busy. His job is demanding. And even when the hours are over, the emotions are still engaged. It would be reasonable for anybody to feel this way. But Lord, I'm going to ask that in the few hours each day that he has, that you would redeem that time. They would be power-filled hours. That even though it might only be two hours on the clock, it'd be four hours of impact. And the words that he speaks and the kindness and the look in his eyes and the gentleness, you would knit these children's heart to their dad as your word declares in Malachi you turn the heart of the father back to the children and the children to their fathers God I I pray for the call that you have on David's life as well the call to be a man of God to be a husband be a father but even beyond that the call to make kingdom impact I pray Lord that you would rise him up in stature not just as a strong man or a brave man or a bold man I pray that, Lord, you would rise him up as a godly man, one who makes deep kingdom impact, that his light would shine in such a dark world. Give him the desires of his heart, Father. They match yours. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're welcome, brother. Come on over here. Tell me what's going on. So you have this chatterbox in your head telling you, you can't, you won't, yeah. How does that impact your emotion? How, how does that make you feel? A lot of roller coaster emotions. Up and down? Constant this, right? I'm just gonna pray for us. All right, got my hand on your shoulder. Father, I stand here with my sister. And we stand, Lord, in agreement that your word says that we are loved by you. And there's nothing that can change that. That your love is high and deep and wide. Father, I pray that she would come to know the love that passes all understanding. She wouldn't just know it in her head, but she would experience it. It would fill her heart. It would begin to crowd out these distractions that says to her that with you she can't. It says to her that with you she's not enough. It says that even though you're in her life that, that you won't use her the way that you've promised to use her. That she can never be all that you've called her to be. Father, I pray that you would remind her of the truth of your word. That you are the one who began a good work in us and you would complete it. I pray, Lord, that you would remind her that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. I pray, Lord, that she would remember Romans 8, 28, that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I pray, Lord, that as she walks with you, you would give her boldness in her step. God, give her a love for your word so that when she engages it, it would speak powerfully to her. In fact, it would be louder in her life than all the lies around her that she'd come to know you in deep and profound ways, that these highs and lows that she's experiencing, God, would level out. And as you say in Isaiah, you take the high places, make them low, and the low places, you lift them up, and the crooked paths you make straight. She'd be able to walk, Lord, with you in confidence and boldness. God, remind her that she's totally forgiven, that you gave her a new life and a new name and a new beginning. Convince her of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thanks for letting me pray for you.
So that's really it. Here's what I want to ask you to do. I want to ask you to be willing to use the phrase, can I pray for you? Keep it short. Keep it simple. Keep it safe. Be encouraging in your prayer. And in, in, in both of those, I felt a little stirring to turn towards a couple things. If you feel it, pray. If not, just pray what they ask you to pray for. If they say, pray for my wife, she's sick. God, we pray for his wife. Um, she's sick. You know what's going on. Heal her body. Raise her up. Give her strength to do what she needs to do. And let her know you love her and be done. Pray with people. I want to ask you, maybe you don't know this Jesus we've been talking to. If that's you, would you pull out that connect card and just check next step A. And it says, today I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. We believe that if you'll believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he'll save you. That's what the Bible says. We'd ask you to put that card in the offering bucket and let us send you some information about it at the end of the, at the uh, throughout this week uh, once we get your details back and just talk to you about what it means to be in a relationship with him. Our next step B today, I'm choosing to be baptized. Last week I mentioned that about 13 people in the last several weeks have been baptized here. You want to be baptized, go public in faith, just check the box. The next step C is that point I was trying to make all through the message. Would you be willing to do this at least one time this week? Uh, say the phrase to somebody, can I pray with you right now? And if you check the box, I'll just send you a reminder. You said you're going to try to do this. And if you fail, it's, it's okay. But I want you to be aware of it. I want to remind you about it. Hey, can I pray for you right now? Do that with your spouse. Do that with your kids. Now, can I pray for you right now? And then just go to God with them on behalf of whatever's going on in their heart. Now, next step, D says, I'll invite a friend to Four Seas Food Truck Rally. That's happening on September 17th. We're going to talk about that next week. I'm going to show you how to pray for people who need a relationship with Jesus next week. All right? So check the box. We'll send you some information. And next step, E says, I'm making plans to attend Four Seas group training. That's today or next week in first, second service or after second. Any of those. But if you check the box, we'll be able to communicate with you a few more details. All right? So those are the steps. In just a moment, you're going to take those and put those in the offering bucket. And right now, some folks are getting ready to receive back the offering and the tithe that you're giving to the Lord. And so you'll see them standing across the room. Go ahead and hold that Connect card. Get your gift ready while you're doing that. Let me tell you about something really exciting around here. Over this summer, when most churches experience a downturn, we've had a little bit of that, but we've been pretty level. But what's really cool is... About 45 people have joined the volunteer team around here since about May until about now. It's pretty incredible to see the number of people who have stepped up to say, this is the church family I want to commit to. I wanted to connect the dots for you for just a second. Some of you have been so faithful to give and to serve. And I bet you, you're like me on occasion, you've wondered if it's making a difference. Well, I want to let you know it is. And when you see people step up like that and say, I want to contribute here. I'm going to carve out time out of my busy week to be here. You're, it's a gift to those of us that are making a regular investment around here. It shows that it's working, that their hearts are being softened for the ministry that God has called us to here. So I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being faithful and sticking with it. Some of you for 13 years, you've stuck with it. And you've seen God work and he's very much at work in this place these, these last few weeks. And I'm so grateful to you for your investment there. Let me pray for our offering. 
And then after I pray, if you'll remain seated, when the offering buckets pass by, we'll sing just a little bit more and then we'll go home. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for the goodness that you are in our lives. Thank you for the fact that you've blessed us with more than we need. We can give back to you a portion of what you've blessed us with. God, would you take these gifts, make them go far and wide. And Father, for folks who are taking next steps, all the way from committing their lives to you, where they're saying, Jesus, forgive me, wash away my sins. I wanna be your child. All the way moving forward to getting baptized or, or even this week asking a person, can I pray for you? God, I pray that you would be with us in all the steps that we're taking. We see your hand at work. We give you thanks for it. In Jesus' name, amen.